The views, opinions, and findings contained in this podcast are those of the host and subject matter experts. They should not be construed as official Department of Defense positions, policies, or decisions unless designated by other official documentation. Hi, welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or Cubist, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the TBI Center of Excellence, or TBI-COE. I'm your host today, Amanda Gano. Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Donald Marion, a neurosurgeon and TBI subject matter expert at the TBI-COE. Don and I will discuss a study entitled, Feasibility and Preliminary Efficacy for Morning Bright Light Therapy to Improve Sleep and Plasma Biomarkers in U.S. Veterans with TBI, a prospective open-label single-arm trial by Jonathan Elliott and colleagues and published in the journal PLOS One in April of 2021. Hi, Don. Thanks for bringing this article to our attention. So what was this study about? Hi, Amanda. Yeah, this study was kind of interesting, I thought. It was a study that evaluated the use of bright light therapy to treat sleep problems associated with traumatic brain injury in a group of veterans. As you will know, Amanda, TBI-related sleep-wake disturbances are relatively common even 20 years or more after a traumatic brain injury. Multiple mechanisms have been proposed to explain the pathophysiology underlying persistent sleep disturbances, and most agree that there are disturbances of circadian-regulated systems such as melatonin and others. Current interventions to treat TBI-related sleep-wake disturbances are limited by marginal efficacy, poor patient acceptability, and or high patient provider burdens such as medications, acupuncture, and cognitive behavioral therapy. In addition, there is evidence that TBI may be related to circadian rhythm disruption, as well as changes in mood and daytime alertness. Light therapy has been used to reduce daytime fatigue following TBI and to improve post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD symptom severity. But no previous studies on light therapy have examined effect on sleep in veterans with TBI. Light therapy can be delivered at home and requires little cognitive burden and therefore may be more widely acceptable to those with cognitive impairment. Also, light therapy has few adverse side effects. Yeah, that's really interesting, Don. So the TBI-COE sleep disturbances following MTBI clinical recommendation also mentions light therapy as a potential treatment for circadian rhythm sleep-wake disorders, which our expert working group found was less common after MTBI, but it was very, very common in the military population given shift work and other military training responsibilities. The expert working group also mentioned there that light therapy is an effective treatment, but it's very important to keep in mind timing and brightness. So I'm sure the study will get into that a little bit more. How was this study done? The study was designed to examine the feasibility and efficacy of light therapy using a light box to deliver white light or 10,000 lux at the eye and delivered in the morning 60 minutes daily over four weeks. The chosen brand of Lightbox is commercially available, has been in use for decades, and was validated with regard to illuminance measures for this study. The dose, timing, and duration was established based on what has been used for seasonal affective disorder, as well as shown to affect circadian entrainment. Yeah, so that's sort of what I was alluding to when I mentioned brightness and timing. So what is a lux? I thought everyone knew that. Good question, Amanda. As you know, the usual measure of light is in lumens, 
which I knew about. For example, a typical fluorescent light has an output of 12,000 lumens. Lux, on the other hand, is a measure of light spread out over an area referred to as a luminance. And one lux is equal to one lumen per square meter. For example, Amanda, an office building hallway typically has an illuminance of 80 lux, while the illuminance of full daylight is 10,000 to 25,000 lux. So the light therapy proposed in the study is similar to the light from full daylight. Interesting. That's good to know. In this study, Amanda, 54 veterans were identified from a VA sleep clinic. Eight were excluded because of bipolar disorder, dementia, depression, macular degeneration, currently using a light box, or a shift worker. The remaining 46 subjects were further evaluated using the Head Trauma Events Characteristics Tool, or HTEC, a 20-minute in-person diagnostic interview obtained by a licensed provider. And 13 more individuals were excluded for not meeting HTEC-defined criteria for sustaining a mild TBI. The remaining 33 veterans were entered into a single-arm, open-label study of light therapy. For the first seven days, subjects were instructed to not alter their normal daily routine, including their sleep-wake schedule, in order to obtain baseline information. Following this, subjects were instructed to receive 60 minutes of bright light therapy using the LightPad Mini RLite Solutions Incorporated every morning for 28 consecutive days. Self-report questionnaires were administered pre- and post-intervention, and wrist actigraphy, using the ActaWatch 2, was collected continuously for 35 days. Daily study diaries noting bedtime, wake time, daytime naps, prolonged nocturnal awakenings that were greater than 15 to 30 minutes, and the timing and duration of light therapy were recorded. Study personnel explained how to set up and turn off the light box, including correctly positioning the distance no further than 25 inches from the face and the angle approximately 45 degrees and pitch relative to the subject's face, increasing the intensity to its maximum level and personalizing use of the device based on the subject's home configurations. Subjects were permitted to engage in activities that did not require them to move away from the light box or otherwise avert their eyes or substantially change the direction of their gaze. These activities usually included using a computer or reading. The Aura LightPad Mini produced up to 10,000 lux at the eye at a distance of 25 inches. Each study day, Amanda, from 12 p.m. to 11.58 a.m., actigraphy data was analyzed for bedtime, sleep onset, wake time, mid-sleep time, total sleep time, time in bed, sleep onset latency, and sleep efficacy, as well as wake after sleep onset, total activity, average activity per epoch, and number of nocturnal awakenings. To minimize heterogeneity within subjects, sleep diaries were examined for days where subjects reported not working, working aberrant schedules, or when ill or traveling, and these periods were excluded from analysis. In addition to the actigraphy, each subject completed several questionnaires, including the Insomnia Severity Index, the Sleep Hygiene Index, the Neurobehavioral Symptom Inventory, and the PTSD Checklist for DSM-5 or the PCL-5, as well as questionnaires related to mood, pain, and quality of life. 
Pre and post study whole blood samples were collected for 25 of the subjects for measurements of biomarkers, including UCHL1, interleukin 6, interleukin 10, and tumor necrosis factor alpha. That's really interesting, Don. So it sounds like this was pretty comprehensive. But what was the significance of the biomarkers in this study? I think the authors were looking for possible mechanisms of action for light therapy improving sleep. They considered both a reduction of neuronal injury with markers such as tau and UCHL1 and a reduction in inflammation that might be caused by light. And the markers IL-6 and TNF-alpha are good inflammatory biomarkers. UCHL1 was not detected in most subjects, and tau levels were unchanged. They did find significant reductions in the pro-inflammatory cytokines IL-6 and TNF-alpha, and no change in the anti-inflammatory cytokine IL-10. These results are consistent with other studies that have reported improvements in pro-inflammatory cytokines with improved sleep, including treatment of sleep apnea. Okay, thanks, Don. So what were the other results? What else did they find? So this population, Amanda, was predominantly middle-aged, male, and white. All subjects were in the chronic phase of recovery from mild traumatic brain injury with a range of 3 to 55 years post-injury. 78% reported 1 to 3 TBIs over their lifetime. PTSD was present in a little more than half, or 54%, and 42% incurred their injury through active military combat. Causes of TBI ranged from blast exposure, blunt force, falling, and motor vehicle or sports-related accidents. Two-thirds of the subjects had positive feelings about the light box and active watch. Adherence to the treatment was very high, and most subjects, 30 of 33, reported using the light box five to seven days per week for 60 minutes each session, which was what they hoped for. So Amanda, light therapy led to improvement in both subjective or self-report surveys and objective or risk-based actigraphy measures of sleep outcomes. The insomnia severity index scores were significantly decreased by 23% with a concomitant change in sleep hygiene index. Actigraphy revealed an average total sleep time improvement of 47 minutes, which is quite a bit actually, an average increase in time in bed of 59 minutes. Both were statistically significant. The increase in total sleep time and total time in bed came from subjects shifting their bedtime earlier by an average of 77 minutes. Wake times averaged 30 minutes earlier and were more regular. Downstream mechanisms potentially affected by poor sleep, including mood, pain, and quality of life, also showed improvement. The pro-inflammatory blood-based biomarkers IL-6 and TNF-alpha were significantly reduced following light therapy. UCHL1 was not detectable in the vast majority of subjects. Comorbid PTSD was a significant predictor of improved insomnia following light therapy. That's really interesting, Don. What were the limitations of the study? So there were three that I thought were most important, Amanda. First, serial serum or salivary melatonin collection to determine dim light melatonin onset would have been a great addition to the study and a more definitive biomarker with which to evaluate potential circadian effects of the light therapy, but they they didn't collect melatonin. 
The second, because the study is a single arm and open label study, potential expectancy or placebo effect could not be determined. And the possibility remains that a change in daily routine rather than the light therapy itself was what improved their sleep patterns. The third limitation, I thought, was that the use of sleep medications was not excluded for, and approximately 50% of the subjects in the study reported the use of sleep medications, although no subject reported melatonin usage. However, subjects did not change their sleep medication usage over the study period, and no changes in statistical outcomes were found after controlling for medication. Okay, so what were the key takeaways here? What do you want providers to know? I think the important findings of the study are that morning bright light therapy for 60 minutes may improve subjective and objective sleep abnormalities related to traumatic brain injury, PTSD, mood, and pain. Furthermore, comorbid PTSD significantly predicts the likelihood that insomnia will improve with light therapy. However, because of the limitations of the small, non-randomized clinical study, a larger placebo-controlled study must be done to confirm that the positive results of the study were actually due to the bright light therapy. Yep, that's important to keep in mind. All right, well, thanks, Don. That's all we have time for today. You can stay up to date on future episodes by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, where you can also find links to the articles we discuss and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Vinnie White and was hosted today by me, Amanda Gano. It is a product of the Traumatic Brain Injury Center of Excellence, Research Portfolio Management Division, Research and Development Directorate of the Defense Health Agency, and led by Branch Chief Captain Scott Coda, Medical Corps, United States Navy. Thank you for listening to this episode.